Happy weekend, everybody. It's Murphy Houston on Mile High Magazine. We hope things are going well. You're staying safe, avoiding, obviously, the big COVID and uh, wearing a mask and washing your hands, social distancing, the whole thing. Got a special guest with us today. My friend Greg Moss is the Director of Public Relations and Media for SCL. He is here. And my partner, uh, Jayla Sanchez-Warren from Dr. Cog, the Denver Regional Council of Government's Area Agency on Aging Joins. And we're glad you're here, too. How are you, Jayla? Things good? They are good. Well, that's what we like to hear. Uh, we always have a special guest. Let you know what's going on in the state of Colorado, health-wise, senior health-wise. And now everything is COVID-19 and, in particular, vaccines. I think we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, Jayla. So if you want to introduce our guest, let's go. Yeah, this is a longtime friend, Greg Moss. He's the Director of Public Relations and Media for SEL Health. In his role, he leads the hospital system's public relations and community outreach efforts. Prior to SEL, uh, SEL Health, Greg worked at the city manager's office at the city of Westminster, where he helped uh, lead communications and public relations there. Uh, he also served as the president and CEO of, North, or of the Metro North Chambers Commerce. And uh, we know him and have known him in the Denver area for a very long time, over two decades. Um, he worked at Channel 9 News as an anchor and reporter. So it's wonderful to have you back on the show again. Hey, Greg. Thank you, Jayla. Good to talk to you both. Murphy, great to see you as always. Yeah, always good to have you, my friend. You've turned into kind of a gypsy, though, with all these jobs. I'm a little worried about you. <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. But I love I love what I'm doing, and it's um, you know it's so important to talk about health, especially in our older adult population right now. Well, I, and I know, and there's a lot of confusion out there, Greg, as you well know, about the COVID-19 yeah. vaccine, the whole hot process. So what's going on over there at SCL Health, and what are you focusing on? Well, it is um, mainly all about vaccines right now. You know, the good news, um, um, we, we still have challenges, obviously, uh, with the number of cases um, that we are dealing with in hospitalizations in, in all of our care sites. But, uh, you know, we're handling them well. We have a great team, great doctors, nurses, frontline workers. Uh, now our focus has been really on this vaccination process, and it's gone very well, um, thanks to a lot of preparation, again, from that same dedicated group of folks that I just mentioned. We have been in the 1A phase um, for the last few weeks now. That, that's doctors, nurses, those with uh, direct contact with the high-risk populations, and, of course, our EMS workers, police and fire. Now we're moving into that 1B phase, which you're hearing a lot about, um, and and that uh, comes to us from the state, so that's our guidance. Colorado 70-plus um, are in that group. We have moderate-risk healthcare workers, um, some other first responders, and some essential workers uh, who help continuity continue in the state. They're in that group as well. Um, and then, of course, now a lot of people are wondering, well, when when do the next phase, phase two, and then beyond? Uh, we don't have a specific date, but we, we are working on those plans, and uh, we're being very aggressive. You know, we're being pushed pretty hard by by the state, and our own motivations is to get as many of these shots in arms as possible as quickly and safely as possible, too. Well, there seems to be, since they made that change to 70 and over, which just happens to be my age group, a little confusion about getting that shot. And I have a tough time meeting that goal of the new 70-plus category. Right. Well, the goal is to get everyone in that 70-plus category who wants a vaccine vaccinated by the end of February. Now, uh, we are on target, um, at least from the state numbers that we've seen, to accomplish that. But it is challenging for us as a healthcare provider and, and as everybody because we are dependent on the number of vaccines that we receive 
uh, from the government in order to meet that goal. And we're all experiencing, you know, kind of the same challenge. challenge. And it, it does boil down to supply and demand. Now, we can't offer more vaccines uh, than their supply. Uh, we're confident that the flow of those vaccines is going to continue to increase. And in fact, uh, there may be some of that uh, coming in the next week or so. Um, but, you know, it is it is kind of a week-to-week thing, and that's why uh, it's just so important that folks uh, remain connected with their primary care physician or their health care system um, and monitor those websites. Um, you know, call uh, perhaps uh, 211. And some folks are being encouraged to call uh, for the latest updated information and uh, because it does change frequently. Well, and Jayla, a lot of this is affecting who you work with uh, over at the Area Agency on Aging with Dr. Cog, doesn't it? Yeah, we're getting a lot of calls. Um, we're getting a lot of calls from people who need help with transportation. Uh, they call and say, oh, I got my notification that I can go get my shot, but I can't drive. Or it's that um, some some uh, places are, are giving them uh, well into, you know, the night, um, 8 o'clock, 8.30, uh, and a lot of people are nervous about driving to a place they don't know in the, uh, in the night. So we are... We actually do have a service that goes off hours, you know, uh, after five and on weekends, so we can accommodate those riders. I want anyone to know that if they need help with transportation, to call the area agency on aging, and we will get you to your vaccination uh, site on time, hopefully. Uh, but don't let that be a barrier. Uh, don't if, if your grandson can't take you, or your husband, or or your daughter can't take you. Uh, don't let that. Uh, stop you from getting your vaccination. Give us a call. Yeah, that would be 303-480-6700. Call right away. We're talking with Greg Moss, Director of Public Relations and Media for SCL Health. And Greg, I know because you've been telling us there's a really big deal coming up, two large-scale vaccination events with SCL Health and UC Health. Can you talk about that? I can give you kind of the, the general high-level overview of where we are today, Murphy. Yes, we are looking, uh, both systems looking at hosting one of these uh, large-scale events um, starting at the end of the month and then moving into February as well. And, you know, our goal is um, to offer as many vaccines as possible in one-stop locations. Uh, and I would encourage folks to, you know, just remain in contact on our website or, you know, call um, the 211 information line, we're updating that as well. Um, if, if you've got some questions, because we'll have all the details hammered out uh, by early next week. Um, this is probably the first of several that will be unfolding. Um, I think the, the mayor of the city and county of Denver indicated uh, yesterday that they're going to go more into the communities uh, with individual clinics and things of that nature. Uh, we at the SEL Health side are very, um, very committed to working with our partners and our underserved uh, communities are um, underserved populations and communities of color. Uh, we are building those partnerships up right now because, as Jayla just mentioned, when you're dealing with this very specific uh, population, we want to make sure as many of the barriers as possible are removed, and we're connecting with folks who can help you get there. And uh, we should have most of those, if not all, firmed up by early to mid-next week. Um, I'm curious, with these two big events, two large-scale vaccination events, Greg, is that going to require, uh, like, an invitation, a scheduled time, or is it just say, come on down, we're ready for you? No. Yeah, that's a very good point, Mark. Thank you for that. It's, um, it is by reservation, so we have to have people registered and signed up. So it's not just to come on down and walk in and that sort of thing. So you will receive a lot more detailed information uh, once you get into the pool, so to speak. Um, that The reason why we have to do that is because these vaccines, um, as you know, are, are 
are gold and they're kept at such yeah. low temperatures. We, we, we don't want to have any waste at all. We want to make sure this is done in the most safe and effective way uh, possible. So that's why we have to you know, keep that monitored um, a little bit more. But this is the deal. I mean, when we talk to somebody and we get them uh, in the systems, uh, we will continue to follow up with them. Um, the goal is to get everybody who wants a vaccine vaccinated. Um, and we're going to move through that as just as quickly as we can, as safely as we can. But, yeah, walk up, uh, we'll, we won't be able to accept that. No. Okay, so, so... Greg, do you have to be part of the SPL system or UC Health, health no. system in order to make a reservation? You do not. Um, that's the other important thing. So uh, don't let that be a hand, uh, you know, hindrance to you as well. Uh, you will have to register because we have to um, go through some paperwork and some other forms just to make sure that um, we've got everything covered. But you don't have to be a part of the system uh, that we provide. Is there a specific website Greg will have to go to to sign up just to register? Yeah, well, just, just to pay attention to when the events are unfolding, sclhealth.org uh, would be the ones to um, be connected with, and we'll have updates there. Uh, we'll also be having a hotline registration number that we'll be able to offer people as well. Um, because we understand that sometimes you know, registering online can be a little bit of a challenge. So we'll have a hotline number where people can get some assistance. Um, but just stay tuned because uh, we, we recognize some of the barriers right now and the frustrations. But as soon as we get some more of this vaccine, I believe we'll start to see that ease up. And then the other important part of that whole process, which is great you're doing that, do you give them a follow-up date? Because that's pretty key, that second shot. Yeah. Yeah, we really, we really want to make sure that both appointments are scheduled pretty much at the same time. Uh, we will also, if you're getting your vaccine the day you get that vaccine uh, and show up for that, we'll book the appointment um, uh, about 30 days later uh, as well, just to make sure that we've got both of those scheduled and we can take good care of you. And it is very important to get the two doses right now because you're probably offering the Pfizer vaccine. Yeah, there's, there's both the, the what's the, the Pfizer and uh, BioNTech, and then there's the Moderna vaccine, and both of those require two doses. And and the follow through for that is really important to make sure that they're they're maximum effectiveness. Um, the first shot does start to build some protection, but the second shot is really needed to get the most protection that the vaccine has to offer. Now, um, as you all know, uh, we we've got other vaccines that are in the pipeline right now. Uh, they have not uh, applied for emergency use authorization. They haven't finished all their testing. Uh, one of those um, could be a one-shot um, opportunity. But, again, uh, we just don't know yet and probably won't know for the next uh, month or so. What do you think, Jayla? I think it's, you know, one thing that I found out recently is that if you get the, if you get the Pfizer shot, shot the first time, it's really important to stay with the Pfizer shot the second time. And that's why registering to get this shot is so important so they can keep all of that paperwork on you. Um, uh, I talked to an epidemiologist uh, last week who said, you know, it's not really, we don't really know if it'll hurt you, but it's not advisable to get the Pfizer shot the first time and then like the Moderna shot the second time. So um, we, that's a big coordination effort and uh, the hospitals are, are really good at keeping paperwork and keeping things organized. Uh, so, but we have to follow you know, follow that registration and give them all the information they need to keep us safe. Good point. Uh, and Greg, I'm curious, do all the SEL health and healthcare providers you uh, work with, have they all been given their shots? We um, have been vaccinating all of our staff for the last several weeks. Um, that process will continue. 
Um, and we have had phenomenal uh, turnout uh, with all of our associates and our doctors and nurses. Uh, so, yes, they're very enthusiastic about getting it, and they will continue to do so um, as we move forward. And I, I believe uh, the state deadline for the uh, 1A uh, workers w- was today, as a matter of fact. But uh, we're not stopping. We're continuing, and uh, they're very grateful. Well, I'm sure they are. Hey, I'm in the SDL health system. I didn't tell you this, Greg, but I'm in the SDL health system, so I'm going to be testing you out. Wow. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> good. Jeez. A, a challenge from the queen. Oh, man. I know. I know. I'm taking notes now. Let's make sure that we take good care of Jayla. No, that's, oh, we always gosh. take good care of everybody. Oh, yeah. And that's part one, one thing I wanted to stress. Stress too is um, as Jayla was pointing out that we we make sure that you stick with the same uh, brand of vaccine through the entire process, and we're going to monitor you when you when you come in. It's not just a shot in, in the arm and then you're off. Uh, we we do monitor folks uh, for 15 minutes for sure, unless there's another challenge. Uh, with um, perhaps in the past you've had some allergies, then we'll monitor you for 30 minutes. But we've got good healthcare folks in place to make sure that you're doing well. And, and I know, Greg, you're, you're a smart guy. You do your homework. And I think it's important maybe you could perhaps talk about some of the myths around COVID-19 vaccine because there's so many rumors out there about getting the shot and why you should and why you should. Maybe you could touch on some of those. Yeah, so the, the, there are really three more common ones uh, that we're hearing. One, that the vaccine's not safe because it was um, so rapidly tested and got out of the market. And, um, you know, we, we can tell you, and our doctors and epidemiologists have taken a look at this top to bottom, and, and these pharmaceutical companies have invested tons of resources into developing this with new technology. Um, and so th- this technology actually has been developed over decades. It's the first time that it's really kind of been applied in this manner. Uh, and this is novel technology based on the molecular structure of the virus. And I won't go into details because I'm not that smart, but um, that's what really was uh, used in this novel methodology to develop the vaccine. And it allowed it to be free from materials of any kind of animal origin. And it's synthesized um, in a cell-free process uh, with no preservatives. So that's why it's, it's very unique in its structure and how it has to be stored. Um, that's why it was able to get to market so quickly. Um, another one uh, Murph and Jayla, you probably hear this too, is uh, one of the side effects, and are there severe side effects? There are mostly short-term mild vaccine reactions um, that really kind of result, what we're seeing in the data and what we're uh, seeing in our systems resolving without too much complication. Uh, most of them, again, minor headache chills, maybe some muscle pain, fatigue, um, a, a very low-grade fever that may last a day or so. Um, And and keep in mind um, that these are indicators that your immune system is, in fact, responding to the vaccine. And and that's common when receiving some vaccines like this. Well, that's that's not a bad thing. No. And I can tell you firsthand, my wife, uh, Greg, you know, Carol, uh, she's had, I I have not, but she's had the first shot, had absolutely no symptoms. She said her shingle shot hurt worse than the COVID-19 shot. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It's all good. Well, Greg Moss, uh, uh, Director of Public Relations Media for SCL Health, good friend. Thank you for going on and clarifying that. We're looking forward for the big deal when you team up with UC Health, so keep us on target for that, will you? Indeed. Thanks so much for having us, and thanks for all the work that uh, both of you do. Thank you, Greg Moss. Thank you.
Thanks a lot, Greg. Appreciate you having it on today. That's Greg Moss, Director of Public Relations for Media at SCL Health. We'll be looking forward for that huge, large-scale vaccination event with UC Health. Uh, Jayla Sanchez-Warren from Dr. Cog is still with me. And our next guest is Linda Holloway, the co-founder and co-director of Bessie's Hope, formerly known as Rainbow Bridge. Jayla, let's get our next guest in here. Yeah, we have Linda Holloway. She's the co-founder and the co-director of Bessie's Hope, formerly known as Rainbow Bridge. Her nonprofit helps transform the lives of not only forgotten elders in nursing homes and assisted living facilities, but also of the many at-risk youth who participate in the volunteer programs at Bessie's Hope. The work of the organization is dedicated as a living legacy to Linda's grandmother. Um, prior to starting her nonprofit 24 years ago, she was a successful musician, vocalist, and writer. Welcome. Welcome, Linda. Well, thank you so much, Murph and uh, Jayla. It's so great to be here with y'all. It's been it's been a while. We've we've all been through so much since I saw y'all last. My goodness. Yeah, amen to that. And Linda, you uh, you've been a good friend of ours for many many years, and your work with Bessie's Hope is just. Phenomenal. And for those that don't know, and there might be some, talk about Bessie's Hope, what it's about, how it started the whole thing. Okay. Well, yeah, as Jayla said, uh, it is a legacy to my grandmother. and uh, It was begun because of her nursing home experience in Texas in the early 90s. And so my uh, co-founder, Sharon Branderp, and I uh, actually sporadically uh, and unofficially in any capacity began uh, training youth groups by virtue of having uh, musical assemblies at schools in Texas, we would ha- we would contact them in advance and then go down and and they would have uh, we would have musical assemblies during which time we would perform um, original pieces about caring for the planet, caring for uh, communities, caring for each other, and by the way, caring for these elders and introducing them to the whole idea of these people in nursing homes and uh, and then the people, the kids who had signed permission slips and would go to the nursing home, either my grandmother's or another uh, that evening. But before that, even back then, uh, we, we they had to go through our training and we gave them communication tools because we wanted to make sure that people who, for instance, had the advanced Alzheimer's were able to have interaction and the kids would not be afraid, nor would they um, uh, keep perpetuating the myth that these people are mean or stupid or whatever else. So that just uh, began um, the mission and the ministry and the work. It just started mushrooming after that. And and the third co-founder um, brought in the more left brain and said, "You all should. This is this has taken over your lives. You should you should form a five hundred one c three and just work for the organization." And of course, it took a few years to actually be able to be supported by the organization. But at, at any rate, uh, we just went full speed ahead with uh, keeping the basic tenets of okay, everybody that participates has to have our training. And it has to be about service learning. The, the kids from schools um, have to be able to incorporate this into uh, reading and writing. Oh, what a novelty that is these days. But yeah. at any rate, the um, uh, 
the idea about serving people. And even back then, we we knew that there was a drifting away from compassion and empathy, especially among young people. And that probably is the fault of us baby boomers. But <laughs> uh, at any rate, the uh, you know the the kids needed to understand the importance and the gratification of doing something for somebody else and how that was going to feel and how empowering that can be not only to the person you're helping but to yourself. So we began all of that kind of sensitivity training and compassion um, integration into character and and all that back then and um, beginning with just the youth groups and then we decided to bring families and individuals in because even when my grandmother was in the nursing homes and, and I, I was down there Every month I drove down to spend night and day with her. And um, that's when I discovered many things. But uh, the one thing that I did discover is most of the people didn't have, didn't have anybody. And so um, the current statistic now is 60% of nursing home elders nationally have no personal visitors. Uh, that doesn't mean that church people don't drop in and school groups and everything, but I'm talking about personal visitors. And so we created our program. Like no families or friends. I mean, I think that's right. That's a right. shocking statistic, but it's been that way for years. 60% Mark, yeah. don't yeah. get a visit from a family or friend. So that's why it's so important what what Linda's and Bessie's, Bessie's Hope is doing. Well, you've... you've yeah, because we, cause we do take... Uh, in fact, I, I just had a call yesterday because uh, not only do we work with families and individuals and we train them, too, so that they can adopt people who have no one, but we work with adult groups, corporate groups, civic organizations, churches, and, again, we provide those people with training. And so as soon as people couldn't get into nursing homes any longer. I mean, at the very beginning, not all the nursing homes were even locked down. It was the beginning of April. We launched our Staying Connected initiative. And so a woman called me yesterday from the Jefferson County Human Services Department and said that they wanted to get involved in our Staying Connected initiative and write cards and letters and make things and could we help them with that? And so I said, well, yes, we've we've been delivering thousands to our partnering uh, elder care uh, communities, and the good thing about going through us to do that is, you know, we know the ones who um, won't even accept the outside cards and letters uh, or anything else, and and we also are able to answer the questions like she asked me yesterday, like, well, what about some of the some of the women want to bake things? And I said, no, you wouldn't be able to do that. No. Couldn't bring those in. And um, so anyway, people are calling all the time and it's it's so it's so uh it it's to me it's it's so sad that it took the news to say look at all the thousands of people that are dying in nursing homes to actually have a light shining on those people and that's what we've been trying to do for actually 27 years now and um so I, I, I'm very glad that people are calling and teachers are calling to say uh, when can we start again? Um, and so we've been doing a lot of Zoom things, you know. And, I'll bet. I'll bet. But, <laughs> so 
talking mm-hmm. with Linda Holloway from Bessie Soap, and Linda, all the work you do, a lot of it is, of course, with the young people and adults as well, and it's hands-on. So COVID has really impacted what you do, hasn't it? Well, excuse me, yeah. And that's why we started that Staying Connected initiative, because uh, we wanted to make sure that the people in the nursing homes and assisted living communities you know, they, uh, as we always train our, from preschool through adults, we want the people to know that the people didn't just wake up one morning and say, let's go spend the rest of our lives in a nursing home or let's get this dreadful disease that we, we are going to lash out at strangers or call them bad names or whatever. So we, we get pretty graphic in our training and tell them, tell them things because we want them to understand that if these people could do better, they would do better, and that they are wonderful, wonderful human beings who absolutely need as much patience and as much caring, empathy, and love as babies do. And so what we didn't want to slip away is we did not want to slip away that we didn't want that to be taken away from the elders. Granted, the human touch was taken away, but we thought we've got to do something that would just inundate them, just flood them with. So we tell people, as I told a woman yesterday, uh, with your cards and your letters, don't say anything about, I'm so sorry that your family can't come, or I'm so sorry you've been experiencing such loneliness. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Just to not only keep everything, uh, upbeat and and light, but to also keep it empowering to them and say, um, you know, your your wisdom is so valuable to the community. I can't wait to come in and listen to your stories you have to share. And, uh, you know, just things like that and just to reinforce how valuable they are. So that's what we've been doing through any means we can. We had one corporate group who wanted to make fidget lap blankets for people so we uh delivered those and um yeah and uh men were making them too murph that would be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> so uh Jayla, you've worked with the bessie soap with all the work you've done with nursing homes haven't you yes and i've seen it firsthand in in action and it's pretty amazing and, and so needed. I mean, it's so needed. It really does make people feel special and valuable and not forgotten. Um, you know, I, I spent 20 years of my life investigating complaints in nursing homes, and uh, people call themselves the inmates. You know, they're not in jail. Mm-hmm. They're, they're supposed to be there to be cared for, and um, they do feel forgotten. And so it's so important to uh, help people remember. I know it's painful for folks. And I heard family members say, well, they've got Alzheimer's. They don't even know that I'm not coming or not visiting. And when I go there, they don't know me. Well, you know what? They know happiness and they know a smiling face. And they may know. Um, they may have a, a time of clarity and they say, oh, I know who you are. Um, it may it may go away really quickly while you're still there, but they know. Yeah, they, they know. know. There's no doubt. Oh, and they, they need it. You know, I'm. That's true, and that's that's. You've covered some points that we give to all the people, and like I said, whether they're preschool or adults, and, and everything, all ages in between, we tell them those things that uh, we, you know. <laughs> 
these these people, like I said a while ago, they deserve as much patience as babies do. And if somebody is uh, is crying, if a baby's crying out, it's like, oh, I wonder why they're crying. Are they hungry? Are they wet? Blah blah blah. But no, I we tell the people when an adult cries out, especially an older adult, it's like, what could they be wanting? Or jeez, yeah. that's all they do. Right. And so we tell the people, you know, that, um, and we also want to prepare, the, especially the kids. And, and I, and I told someone just the other day who called, uh, cause I said, well, you know, as soon as things open up again, then we're going to do the training. We're going to get your youth groups back. But even for the virtual things, they have to go through our training. Absolutely. Because if, because we do not want to close the doors on people with dementia. And if somebody says something that's unkind to uh, to one of the youth, we want them to know where that's coming from. It's right. not coming from the core of that person. It's coming from that dreadful disease. And I always tell people when I'm doing the training that my grandmother and I thought that each other hung the moon. We <laughs> thought we were the best people that ever walked the earth, except yeah. maybe Jesus. And Yeah, well, that's uh, but, well, Linda, I need to and, juice. We're, we're running out of time. And I, oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I, no, don't be sorry. Uh, I quickly want to get information out because so many people want to know how they can help during this time, and they know about the nursing homes and such. How can they reach out to you to volunteer and do what you need done? Okay, that's pretty easy. Just go to our website, bessieshope.org, and you can also call. Seven two zero three 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 eight two five. We are still delivering lots and lots of cards and letters, but um, we do we do like for you to follow our guidelines and um, and call us. And we also will we will we are we are scheduling Zoom visits for people who want to adopt people who have no one. Uh, we're purchasing tablets for people who don't have the resources to be able to do that. So if anybody would like to be part of that by donating the money for us to buy the tablets, that would be a wonderful thing, too. Well, Linda, keep up the good work. Bless your heart and all you're doing for those in the nursing homes. Thank you very much, Murph. And, and Jayla, y'all take care. Yeah, you too, Linda. And Jayla, the conversation, the nice way for people to get involved. They're all looking to reach out to help people during this pandemic time, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's so important, too. Thanks, Linda Holloway. Appreciate it. Help out Bessie Soap if you can. Uh, Jayla Sanchez-Warren of the Denver Regional Council of Government. That's Dr. Cog, the Area Agency on Aging. Thank you for being here today, and thank you as well. It's Mile High Magazine, and we'll talk to you next weekend.